1: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are doing Free Rider Friday for the month of January, first month of the year, Ed, Free
2: Rider. Yep, love it. Always love the Free Rider Fridays. Now, it's interesting, where are you? I am in Newcastle UK Ron and it is uh let's see five o'clock in the afternoon it's already pitch dark uh, I'm practically near the, the Scottish border I, th- I think uh, someone told me that I'm within five miles of Hadrian's Wall mm, so okay. yeah so, so it's pretty far, far north I, yeah I've been in the UK since last week I'm exhausted tired Ron because um, my wife Christine came over with me and uh if if you want to lose some weight, go go places with Christine. She mm. she she had us uh, had us going to so many different places. It was fantastic, though. We saw so many different things. Made some some pilgrimages, as as I call them, to Shakespeare's Globe, uh, which is not the original Globe Theater, by the way. It was, so it's reconstructed, mm. but uh, it it still used the same materials and time. And yet, of course, it's an outdoor theater, so it just was was fascinating to see that uh we did we also went to the british museum which was really cool and saw the the rosetta stone which is is really breathtaking to behold because it's in such good condition yeah uh you know can, when you consider all of the yeah. other stuff like the, the the stuff that you see that's 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 in the the egypt section is is cracked and falling apart the rosetta stone itself look looks like it was made yesterday certain sections of it so okay. it's it's pretty neat um, but and yeah, himself. no, got, got some other places too. Churchill's, uh, Churchill's, uh, um, place. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> yeah. where he, we spent most of world war two, just, just <laughs> incredible. Those um, are, um,
1: cool. you saw the Magna yeah. Carta too, right? Yeah.
2: I did see the Magna Carta. I went to the B- British museum. I, I didn't, it was a Sunday when we went, Ron, and it, I, I didn't ask the question that I wanted to ask, which was, where's the copy of the declaration of independence that we sent King George. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They, they tend to
1: blank out that part of their history. <laughs> um, we sent it in triplicate, I'm sure, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. The, 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 you know, it's funny because we also went to the Tower of London and the, and the guard there, the Yeoman Guards. I don't know if you've ever done that yep, tour.
1: Yeah, I have.
2: And, you know, they 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 kind of making fun of Americans and there's not enough you know real history there and uh, you know and and he's. He did make fun of us. He says, "You you guys bro- broke away from us to get rid of the taxation, and now where's that got you? We were only charging you three <laughs> percent." I, I know. I, I always
1: the first time I visited, my my line to the crowd was, "You know, we broke away for you know representation without or taxation without representation. Well, we've learned that taxation with representation is a heck of a lot more costly." <laughs>
2: It seems <laughs>
1: well, that's awesome no, it's a it's a great country and there's so much history there that's that's really cool and yeah, you're right. I, I got a workout just looking at your Facebook posts, all the places <laughs> you were going so
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was a tremendous amount of fun. We kept it kept it going and even had a chance to, to see two plays. We saw Barnum, which was fantastic and then also the the classic mouse trap. Which, I don't know if you're aware of this, Ron, but it's, it's been running for 66 years.
1: Yes, yes, I saw that. Yep. I, I didn't see it when I was over there, but I, I saw your post on that. hmm Wow. So. Uh, you know, I, I met our colleagues, Paul Byrne, the late Paul Byrne, and Paul Kennedy, who we've had on the show. Um, and I, I met him in Stratford on Avon, which is where Shakespeare was born. And it was actually Rick Payne and I who toured his house that he was born in together. Mm. So that was that was kind of interesting. But yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a great place to see all that history. It's inc- it is incredible.
2: Yes, yes, and the meals have been pretty good too. Well, you know, the English get made fun of for for the food, but it's significantly improved. My my wife actually lived in the UK when she was, I think, between fifth and seventh grade. Oh, really? And in a, know that. yep. Yeah, yeah, because her dad, her dad was with IBM, right? So they, hey. he spent spent some time over here, and okay. yeah, she remembers the the food is not being all that that good. She said it was it's been it's they, they've had a significant upgrade on the food.
1: <laughs> well, I know they have some great restaurants in in London that I've eaten at. Of course, n- not British food, but <laughs> different <laughs> different types of ethnic food. But yeah, good stuff. Well, Ed, let's bounce in. This is uh, Free Rider Friday, January, and since you're over there. Um, -hmm. I'm going to start with this. We've got a fancy restaurant that just, maybe you can go to this place before you leave. It's called Bob, 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 Bob Ricard, Bob, Bob Ricard's actual name of this restaurant. It's one of London's leading restaurants. Okay. And what they, and each table, by the way, has a call button for champagne. How cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what, one of the, one of the things they're known for. Um, But here's what they did, Ed. This comes from Bloomberg uh, out of Money Magazine, uh, January 11, 2018. This restaurant has implemented surge pricing. So this is what they're They're taking the exact same menu, and the menu shows just the regular price. But then there's off peak prices, and then there's mid peak prices. So off peak would be like a Monday lunch or. Uh, a Monday dinner, right? And if you're off peak, you get 25% off the menu price. Wow. If, if you're mid peak, which would be like Tuesday and Sunday dinners, you get 15% off. And of course, if you're Saturday night and probably Friday night too, uh, it's full price. So, okay. you know, the owner said, um, you know, we were inspired by the travel industry. Hotels and airlines do this. Why can't we? Uh, he said, Yeah, we'll have 400 diners here on a Saturday night with an en- enormous wait list, and we'll have 40 here at lunch on Monday. He said, So, you know, we're, we're subsidizing uh, our Monday lunches with our Saturday dinner. So, just to give you an example, if you order lobster and macaroni and cheese, it's 2050, uh, this is pounds, uh, off peak. But it's, it's $26.50 regular. Um, there's other restaurants considering this in London. D&D, which is a, a company that owns 40 restaurants, also is considering moving to this. They also plan to do it in a cafe that they're going to open up in New York. At the Time Warner Center. And what I love about this, Ed, two things that, that strike me about this. One is they got this right. Unlike the Coke vending machine that I know we've talked about, you know, that when the temperature right. outside increases, the price goes up and that caused incredible backlash, these guys did it right. They showed the full list price and then give discounts off of that for the for the peak or off-peak and the mid-peak. So I think they they framed that, they got that framing right for the fairness effect. I think that that's really stark. But here's a question. What do you I thought of this too? I wonder, and I'm sure they'll look at this, I wonder if the same size party, so say, you know, a family of four at a table at dinner, my guess is they would spend more on an off-peak night because of the discount. They'd be more likely to order more, order more expensive wine or drinks or champagne because of that discount. Just psychological. oh, it's 25% off. So, you yep. know. You, you you buy more.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I mean, you know, certainly, uh, I know I've t- had my share of of uh, half price wine bottles and gone exactly. to restaurants specifically because they had half price wine bottles that night. Right? <laughs> it was a, a time before children where Christina and I knew that okay, we're eating Tuesday here, Wednesday here, Thursday here because that was the half price wine for each <laughs> each of the nights. That's right? Um, but but yeah, no, I think you're right, I, especially night because. You know, prices go down usually, not always, but most restaurants have lunch prices where they're, either, you know, cheaper. And sometimes it's not even a reduced portion, right? Sometimes it is. Right. Uh, but you will, I guess my guess is is that you will tend not to order appetizers at lunch and not to order as much wine maybe at, at lunch. And instead, if you're going to dinner and if you're going to dinner on an off-peak night, then, yeah, you probably say, you know what, let's, let's throw me the appetizer. I'll, let, I'll throw that in, Sure.
1: Sure, and 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 I also think you know because if you drink two bottles of wine at half price, it'd be the same. But I think what's happening too is you you're more likely to upgrade and buy a more even more expensive wine and still drink two bottles of it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, you know this isn't new. Um, I, I've I've read about restaurants doing this in Chicago and in other places, but uh, just just found this really interesting because it reminded me way back. In, in fact, I think this is my. First book, um, there was a a restaurant in London called Just Around the Corner. It's probably still there. And their whole thing was you got to pay what you thought it was worth. So you you got a menu, but there were no prices on it and you just paid. And and Paul O'Byrne and I, we ate there a couple times. And I'll tell you, it was tough because you're kind of sitting there mentally trying to figure out through the entire meal <laughs> what are we going to pay for this? You know, because he's bringing right. us champagne and he's bringing us you know <laughs> little hors d'oeuvres and desserts and uh, it, and we probably paid a heck of a lot more than it would have been from a fixed price menu. But it was a good restaurant. I mean, great food and, and uh, you know, it, I guess there was a, a bunch of social. Um, pressure to to make sure that you paid right because a lot of locals you know frequented the place and so anyway just just really cool just another innovation in pricing that uh, finally we're starting to see it in more conventional businesses
2: yes absolutely and restaurants have been good pricers and to, so well high-end restaurants have been good prices for quite some time you know the example we give a le meridian hotel and norma's and the thousand dollar frittata right can't be an omelet it's a thousand dollars um <laughs> You know, but so, so this, it's good to see that, and I hope there's more of this, any reaction in the article, Ron, like, you know, a blowback, because I could see that some people, even though they do have the framing, right, that people are saying, no, we can't do this. That's ridiculous.
1: No, they, then, you know, they, 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 they there was no, nothing like that. They did say that, you know, uh, we're not really worried about this because we're not changing the menu and, and, um. You know, they're going to test it, obviously, but I I think it's going to be successful. I I don't see how you could have blowback on this. I think, you know, customers are conditioned for this now because of hotels and airlines and other things.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Ron, I've got I think this is a short one. So we'll get this in before the break. And, you know, it's funny you bring up a restaurant one. I, I think four, maybe three or four of the stuff that I have in my stack here are food related. <laughs> mm, <that's good. laughs> so, so maybe this is going to be a theme that we didn't realize this is the uh, show on on food related items. But uh, this is an article by uh, Alexander C. R. Hammond, who is a research institute at humanprogress.org. It's affiliated with the Cato Institute. Mm-hmm. And the title of this one is The Ice Box Cometh. Mm-hmm. Right? how capitalism brought luxury to everyone, and just some of the things that he shares in this, which is, I think, fascinating. 1919, a refrigerator cost $11,000 in today's money.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, tasks that needed ser- servants or later on uh, expensive equipment are now as, as cheap for all. And most people have a cheap fridge three times the size of the earliest models. Absolutely. And when you consider this, okay, j- just not in terms of refrigeration and, you know, what, what that means, but lack of spoilage, uh, keeping people healthier, uh, j- just another example of, of why I would rather be born today, right, than in 1919, than 100 years ago, uh, where, you know, you, you would ha- be begin to have access to some modern conveniences, but, you know, not, not refrigerators. I mean, it, we we don't realize that how, how new the refrigerator is in a, as an invention. Right, ninety nine point eight percent of American homes have at least one refrigerator. So, you know, this talk to me about the poverty again, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) I just think the I just think of the refrigerator in the honeymooners' kitchen, Ed, and that was in the fifties.
2: Right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep. no, so this is really interesting stuff. All right, well, the, well, let's let's take the break now, Ron. I want to remind you that you can get a hold of either of us by sending an email to asktsoe at Varisage.com. The website, of course, is The Soul of Enterprise. We'd love for you to go out there and take a look at the show notes that we place up and also the previews to upcoming shows. You can listen to all of our previous shows up on that page, the archive. I think this is show 175, Ron. I'm really excited about that. 176. 176. We're 176. I'm sorry. Yep. So great stuff. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Leading Results.
3: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com/tsoe to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise: Dialogues on Business in the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com.
1: Voice America
0: Business Network, the bottom line in business.
3: You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
1: All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of January. And, Ed, I got one that's kind of depressing, but we need to talk about it because it is an issue. Mm. It's um, from The Economist and other places, too, that I've, I've read this. But it's about life expectancy in the United States of America. This is a CDC report. So the Center for, you know, for Disease Control issued a report on December 21st of last year. And our life expectancy fell in 2016 for the second year in a row You have Mm. to go back to 1962-63 to find a two-year consecutive drop in life expectancy. Now, um, you know, we're we're at 78.6 years, down from 78.9 in 2015. Um, We only dropped a tenth of a point from uh, 16. What's this
2: attributed to, Ron?
1: It's attributed to the epidemic of opioids, um, which claimed 63,000 lives in 2016. The leading cause of death still remains heart disease and cancer, which have leveled off, by the way, and even started to decline a little bit. But there's a category in this report called unintentional injuries, (laughs) which includes overdoses, and it has moved – to third place from fourth place in 2015 and 16. 6% of deaths in 2016, for example, were people in the prime of their lives, 25 to 34. And that seems to be one of the largest cohorts of the people in this addiction issue. Um, Preliminary data from 2017 seem to indicate that those addictions, deaths are on the rise, (laughs) and we might suffer a three-year decline and you have to go back to, uh, oh boy, you got to go back a century to the Spanish flu pandemic to find a three-year consecutive decline. Um, we have a two-year lower average life expectancy than the average OECD country. There you go.
2: No, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because it's we don't have free health care, Ron.
1: I know. Uh, and then, of course, The Economist goes on to blame Trump. Because he hasn't appointed a drug czar. He's appointed no new money for, you know.
2: Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you just say, not say, that this was uh, the 2016 numbers? Yes. Okay. All, as I recall, Donald Trump didn't become president until January of 2017.
1: Well, I think the 2017 preliminary data they're saying is Trump's fault.
2: Oh, okay. Right. Because right. the trend wasn't that way. Yeah. Got it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is I mean, the, these the life expectancy is just one measure. I mean, we do a lot of things in this country, you know, <laughs> um, skydiving and things that, you know, auto accidents that that have impact on this. So it's not it's it's not like you can compare these across countries and, and you're comparing apples and apples. But this is kind of worrying Um to, to see this i mean especially since it hasn't happened in 50 years a two-year decline like this
2: right right well I- interesting that you have that because i also have in my stack here on something related to this so i'm going to jump into that which is an article from cato that says stop calling it an opioid crisis because it's That's actually good. uh heroin, heroin and fentanyl Right, and right. the and the the most important thing, and the, the reason why they suggest this is because people are, when they are prescribed, then opioids are now paranoid to take them.
1: Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm.
2: And the very reality is, is that, okay, so here's some of the stats on this. In fact, it does show that 63,600 deaths in 2016. So we're, it's consistent numbers. So this must be based on that same data that was shared. But 20,000 of them were due to, to fentanyl.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And fifteen thousand were heroin, so only roughly fourteen thousand were prescription opioids. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that people who are on prescription opioids then don't move on to the heroin stuff because it's cheaper, by the way, right? Right, and e- and easier to come by. Yep. <laughs> All right. So this is one of those you know bizarre cases where the fact that that it's a controlled substance. Uh, that is through the legal market makes it more difficult to get than the controlled substance that's not in the legal market. It's just bizarre. Right. Right. Uh, But anyway, I, I think the important point here is we have to stop scaring the crap out of people who get prescribed opioids for very real painful conditions that they have and who might not take them because they're concerned about becoming addicted to this. Now, it's... I agree that it's a concern. I agree that one has to be careful, but I I think, I think the pendulum has swung far to the, uh, the the, the one way and needs to pull back. And that's why I'm, I'm certainly with Cato on this one to say, Hey, Hey, listen, we gotta, we gotta redefine this opioid. We gotta stop calling it opioid.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Um, And, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I, the war on drugs—we need to rethink that. I, that's obviously a massive failure, and it's it's causing some of this, but I don't think it's causing all of this. I, you know, I think this is a is this a personal issue, and I I, I just don't know what public policy can do about this. Um, you know, if, you, <laughs> if any of you have ever had a loved one <clears throat> with a drug serious drug addiction, you know there's a lot more going on than just what the government's doing.
2: Yep yep absolutely yeah great point There, a crisis
1: of faith or you know something i mean i uh it it needs it needs something other than just government policy and and trump appointing a drug czar i'm sorry economist but that's not going to matter
2: no (laughs) Uh, no i mean you know not a big fan of trump but i I, i'm sorry you can't pin this one on him not not uh, not right now no
1: that's ridiculous um just just to flip the coin over really fast, Ed, there is good news out of two thousand seventeen, some data. Passenger deaths. Airlines. Airline passenger deaths mm-hmm. two thousand seventeen. Zero.
2: Worldwide or US? Zero.
1: Worldwide. Nineteen seventy Holy
2: crud. Two, 1972
1: was twenty-four twenty-nine and twenty fourteen it was seven hundred and sixty-one. So it's been gradually going down, but yes, mm-hmm. um, isn't that amazing?
2: So this is this is commercial flights, passengers, yes. correct? Yes, all right. Sched- regularly scheduled yep. passenger jets. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Zero.
2: <laughs> Not bad. There's still some airlines. I, there's still some airlines I won't fly on. Uh, I wouldn't fly <laughs> Cairo
1: in North Korea. That's the worst airline <laughs> in the sky. Uh, they got some, I don't know, pre-World War One uh, Soviet <laughs> planes. I mean, they're ridiculous. But uh, anyway, I thought. Fred Flintstone kind
2: of and the Pterodactyl with a with a with a you know <laughs> with a rock on the
1: back. Uh-huh. I'd I feel safer in the Hindenburg. Uh, <laughs> <then>. <laughs> but I just thought that was cool because we fly a lot, so that that's something to celebrate.
2: No, that's good. Of course, you know there's then there's the other people who would be like, "Well, we're we're due now. We're due." <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. So,
1: what do you got? Ed, you got another one?
2: Uh, let's see here. We got about 4 minutes left. Let me let me throw this one at you. And uh, I saw the movie over Christmas Ron, The Greatest Showman. Okay. And this is a a a new retake on the on the part of the life of pt barnum now it is probably i would guess only 50 percent historically accurate yep uh but i gotta tell you it was a really good movie and it's a it's a it's a musical um, which was gutsy for them because one of the one of the my all-time favorite musicals is is called barnum right which Mm -hmm. was on broadway for a number of years jim dale and uh in and, and his team and, they, and it was just amazing i think michael crawford played played the lead over here in london in fact we saw i like mentioned a production of it while we were over here much smaller but uh but this is a good movie and and it you know it it does show him in his uh you know it's like, the sucker born every minute is not a line because he never said that which is good uh but his, his in his entrepreneurial best right um, and we've we've profiled him of course in one of our previous episodes, so we'll have to post up a, a link to that so we can talk about that. But but he he, he was a pretty Im- Im- amazing guy. I mean and the, the of course the thing with him was is he, he his his humbug, as he called it, he knew it was humbug. He didn't hide the fact that it wasn't. Right, and what I think was fantastic about that, you know, the the best known story, of course, is when he, he the people were spending too much time in his museum, and he put up a sign this way to the egress,
4: right? right.
2: <laughs> yep. And people would find themselves out outside and have to pay another dollar to get back in, right? And right. What, but 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 the, apparently, the majority of the people thought that that was hysterical.
1: Yep. <laughs> I, I remember that show that we did on him, and I remember researching, and I had, I do remember that story. He was a fascinating guy and a great marketer.
2: Mhm. Mhm. And Hugh Hugh Jackman just does an excellent job as as playing uh, Barnum. Michelle Williams plays uh, Cherry Barnum, his wife, and the the music is is really quite good. Uh, I've listened to the soundtrack a little bit. In fact, I've been playing it on this tour as my kind of opening music and you know, I play music before I go go on stage, so to speak. And it's it's been getting good reviews from 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 people who haven't heard it. So um, good stories of, about some of the the people that he took out of obscurity, the bearded lady, the Tom Thumb, who was was uh, was a, a little person. And, you know, people complain and there's people complaining today that this is showing that he was taking advantage of them. But in another, you know, this is another case of and what was the other choice? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they—they were these folks were not going to become the 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 head of other large organizations in the zeitgeist of the times. Sure. So, anyway, kudos to the to the movie, uh, The Greatest Showman, and I, I strongly suggest and recommend it out there for for people to to get and see it in the theaters because it is is well worth it. It's very uh, there's a lot of. Um, uh, similarities to Moulin Rouge and the, and that kind of, of of a movie where it's a loud and and raucous and a lot of things going on. So it's uh, definitely see it on the big screen.
1: All right. Well, that's awesome, Ed. Well, we're up against it, folks, and would like to remind you if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. We love getting your emails. A lot of you email us and and uh, with show ideas and topics and guest recommendations. So. We consider all those uh, very seriously. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Abacus Next.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Results CRM, the award-winning Abacus Next product, is a customer relationship management solution that will automate your business processes, streamline workflows, and deliver consistent results. Cloud-enabled to provide access to your users anytime, from anywhere. Grow your business in 2018 with the number one QuickBooks CRM. To learn more about Results CRM, visit ResultsCRM.com.
1: All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Freerider Friday for the month of January 2018. And then I got a couple of real quick ones here. Uh, as of November in Las Vegas, there is now uh, a little autonomous shuttle that takes you uh, around downtown in the downtown neighborhood. It's like a three block circuit, uh, which in Vegas can be pretty big.
4: <laughs> but sure, uh, sure
1: a joint project between uh, 3A, the insurance company, and an outfit called Koloas, I think. Uh, but it is a you know level four autonomy. I mean, there's no driver. You just kind of get in it, and it just it goes on this planned route, and um, it's kind of cool. I mean, we're starting to see this in small tests. They're they're doing this to get feedback, how people react to it. Will you know? Will they even get in it? Uh, what's their reaction? Are they scared? You know, they're just they're trying to get a feel for it. So along with Chandler in Arizona that we talked about last time, you know, <laughs> going mm-hmm, to level mm-hmm. autonomy. Uh, this, is, this was kind of cool. Uh, the other one really quick that I had, this comes from The Economist from last month as well. I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, in, in the Nordic countries, the average parcel for home delivery is delivered one and a half times because they don't like to leave stuff on their porches because of porch piracy. <laughs> so, even oh, okay. two two fifths of the people avoid buying stuff online for that for that very reason. So, uh, there's companies now, and Amazon is is um, supporting this along with others that uh, you can get you know connected locks wirelessly. So you have uh, delivery people have an app and they can get into your house. There's security cameras at the door, so they can film the whole incident. And they can drop off the package inside your house and relock the door. Um, And this has kind of solved the problem over there. Amazon is testing it in 37 American cities. It does cost $200 to to be able to do this for the lock and the security camera. Walmart has also tested this for their deliveries. And Sears, believe it or not, has even tested it for letting in appliance repairmen.
2: Okay, so you don't have to be no longer have to be home in order to get your exactly. appliance repaired, which I guess is helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, I just I, if, what struck me about this, I don't know why, but it's just it's just it here's a problem, right? That yep. uh, caused by technology, like systems thinking, right? To yesterday, today's problems are you know yesterday's solutions or whatever solutions. Yep. Uh, it, yep. And and here's the free market coming up with a. Pfft, a beautiful solution. You know, there's no czar uh, directing this <laughs> stuff. You know, just, just innovation. Just And it's small things, but, you know, that's a big... I mean, think of dog walkers. Think of, you know, a whole bunch of other things that you can think of here besides just getting your appliance fixed that this could be very useful for. Now, obviously, there's issues with burglar alarms and other things, you know, that you got to kind of pay attention to. There's trade-offs, but... This is, a, this is a kind of a cool solution for, for this problem.
2: Well, interesting, Ron. I, I have had on my house, it's an August lock, that's the company that manufactures it. Mm-hmm. And it allow, allows you to use your phone or, or on Apple Watch to to open the door, and it's 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 been mostly successful. This it, it's had a, a little bit. It's a first generation. I probably bought it too early. I was too much of an early adopter on it. But one of the things you can do, and could always do with this app, is is you can text someone uh, the code so that they download the app and they can get into your house. But you can set the the hours that they can get in, you can say that it expires on this date at this time. So if it's, say, a painter who's coming into your house and they're gonna, it's a three-day project, you can just say, all right, they have access for three days, and then it goes away, and you don't have to give them a key, worry about them making a duplicate copy of the key. So it's it's really kind of a neat thing. And the, the other thing that the newer ones do, and why I said I, I was a, too much of an early adapter on it, is it does link up to your security system as well, so that what you can do is, when the, the lock is, is triggered by someone with the, the proper credentials in the the fo- on the phone or or the, the watch, that it will then automatically shut off the the security system as well without them having to give be given a temporary code for that. So there's it's it's just a direct connection to that via wireless. So sure, yeah, yeah. and I yeah. know
1: so Airbnb, you know, uses similar technology, mm-hmm. when, you know, for yeah. that. So that that's just really cool, but. Anyway, just it just these are obviously first world problems, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> somehow yeah. still get well, fun. you know, if, uh, the, uh, you know the, the Nordic paradise there with people stealing stuff off of people's porches. What's going on there?
1: I, I know, I know. Forty percent <laughs> of people won't buy online for that. Uh, that's yeah, I, that's I you know, wild. I, I don't give it a second thought in my neighborhood. I mean, stuff is dropped off all the time. Uh, it's bad. No, so, anyway.
2: <laughs> are you getting stuff yet are you getting stuff yet that you order on amazon the same day like as part of the free delivery it's happened two or three times for I've, us already
1: has it no i but i've been places like when we did a talk together in san diego i remember they ordered a flip chart and it was there in like two hours now yeah i know they they you know probably expedited it but i i just thought that was really cool and yep. i was just reading about this amazon has a ton of you know, procurement uh, facilities around the country. It's quite a few, actually. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, and these things are the size of aircraft carriers, by the way. Oh,
2: my God, it's huge. There's there's actually one in Garland, which is right by the DFW airport. And we, you drive by it, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a just a <laughs> massive building. <laughs> I, in fact, I, I made I made a note, Ron. It's funny you say that. On the, I, I made a note to to uh, go and and see if they'll do let me do a tour
4: because
1: mm,
2: mm, I yeah. think that was really cool.
1: You know, there, there I was just reading the report about uh, when Amazon opens one of these procurement facilities. Uh, you know, the average person walks 15 miles a day. They're they're wired to to go where they. Where the you know the merchandise is, and and they they get countdown clocks for you know they're really kind of monitored have, quite heavily. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway,
1: it's yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Plus, it lowers wages. Apparently, Amazon doesn't pay market wages, so there's a lot of speculation about why not. Well, first off, Amazon's not very profitable, but it, it it it's thought because they hire younger, inexperienced workers. So right. they're able to right. pay them less, but anyway. So
2: all right, well, All right, here. let me. Uh, I got. A, I got a, another quick one here for you, Ron. That that uh, is a is somewhat of a counter of what you were talking about—the driverless car. And this one's a, aimed directly at you. This is kind of a bad news thing for you, right? This is from William F. Um, Suggart the Second mm. and mm-hmm. Christian Christian Fours. This is originally published in the Orange County Register. Okay. And you know I. I did not know about this, Ron, but your gas taxes went up again in November, and they're going up again in July of 2019, where the the combined state and federal excise tax in California will be 65.7 cents a gallon.
4: Yay,
1: California. We're number one.
2: Yeah, you're number one. You're definitely number one. Here's the thing, Ron. That apparently, according to the te- the California Constitution, or um, maybe it's not the Constitution, their road maintenance and ability, that, that this money is supposed to go to highway funds. Yep. Guess what, Ron? It doesn't. It's not going to highway funds.
1: Of course it's not. No nope. potholes all around me. I live in a pothole, for crying out
2: loud. <laughs> <clears throat> nope. Nope. This is yeah, and this again. He's a research fellow at the Independent Institute, so yeah, wild, huh? So there you go.
1: And Ed, not only is that happening with the gas tax, they're also thinking about slapping a mileage tax on drivers. So put Mm -hmm. tattlers in your car so they can figure out how many miles you drove. Yeah, this it's it's getting oppressive out here. That's what happens when you have one party rule. mm Hmm. Um,
2: I, I, I moved to Texas, Ron. Moved to Texas.
1: I know. I, I, I keep telling you, I can't <laughs> afford the U-Haul. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I can get this in before the break because okay, it's good, bit, good, good. It's it's beyond Bitcoin, Ed. Here we go. Doggy Coin, Dog Coin, launched in 2013 <laughs> as a, as a joke, and as of January 7th of this year, it's got two billion dollars in circulation. There is now oh, UFO no. coin. UFO coin, Putin coin, sex coin, insane coin as a 7 million dollar market cap. There's around 40 of these new types of coins, you know, the ICOs, right? Initial coin mm-hmm. offerings. Around 40 have a market value greater than a billion dollars. And the 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 cool a couple cool things. Kodak, <laughs> defunct bankrupt Kodak, January right. 9th launches a coin to allow photographers to charge for their work. Now, that actually makes some sense, right? Yes, it sure does. It's yep. Blockchain-enabled. So that, you know, who knows? That could breathe, breathe life into Kodak. Um, that's interesting. There's also another tele, uh, a company called Telegram, which is a messaging service with 180 million users who is starting uh, coin gram to pay for a range of services from online storage to virtual private networks. And, but, Ed, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Facebook Facebook is thinking about doing a
2: coin. No, oh, there you
1: go. And here's what the economist asks and it's a good question. Would Bitcoin's days be numbered?
2: Mm. That's, I might have to throw some throw some of my Bitcoin into Facebook coin, I have to tell you.
1: That's you What do they have 2 billion Two billion users on Facebook, isn't it? Something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, two billion users. Yeah, two billion of the seven billion of us that walk the planet. Yep, yep.
1: That's um, that's interesting.
2: <laughs> it sure is. There's r- rumors, of course, that, that have been flowing that Amazon is going to start taking Bitcoin as well. And then I think I think I came across something that, that that said that they're thinking about the reason why they haven't is cuz they're thinking of a coin too but that that's that was has all been in the rumor stages so not nothing specific sure. on any and of that
1: And it is it is at Facebook too this is reportedly it's, I'm sure Oh okay it's, yeah, it's yeah 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 rumor uh there was no f- official pronouncements but um you know Amazon would be another one that would be <laughs> a mm-hmm. massive challenge cuz they I mean they have the platform to go with it
2: Yep oh absolutely they sure do. They sure do. Cool stuff. All right. Well, we're up against the last break, Ron. I want to remind you that you can contact us, asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, is the email address, thesoulofenterprise.com. There's a couple of short links that you can use, slash books. will take you to a list of all of the, the books that Ron Baker has published, including The Soul of Enterprise with uh, me as the co-author. And uh, the other one that we really would love for you to do is thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes. Go on over to iTunes, subscribe to the show via iTunes, and please, 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 at least, if you don't uh, want to give a review, please do give us a rating. But we would love for you to just write one, even one or two sentences on what you think of the soul of enterprise and give us some, some feedback on now. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage.
4: For more information, visit sage.com forward slash U.S. forward slash S.O.E. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com.
2: And here we are, live on the Soul of Enterprise, Free Rider Friday. Our last segment, Ron, for the January of 2018 Free Rider Friday. It has to be said, Ron, tax reform is keeping okay. the promise for the fight for the, that $15 an hour could not. Yep. All of these companies are announcing huge wage increases, and my liberal friends are apoplectic. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> over,
1: over 200 <laughs> companies, over 200 companies and millions of workers mm-hmm. directly affected by this.
2: Yes. The, and the way that the way that my my dear friends on the left talk, this is the greatest right wing conspiracy ever. Forget the Hillary right wing conspiracy. Yep. This the, this this all of these companies are colluding to to make to to make this look bad. That's all they're doing, Ron. They really don't want to raise the wages. They don't really want to do it. But they're doing it. Yeah, and then plate. that's the other one. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's really not that much anyway. I know. But, but of course, it's crumbs on the plate, of course, until you tell them, well, then wh- why do we need a $15 minimum wage? Well, because that would help people significantly. Well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, there's and, and, crumbs on the plate.
1: <laughs> and, and Walmart does it. $15 mm-hmm. for everybody going forward. Wells Fargo, a whole bunch of others. So people, I've also heard Ed, oh, this is one time he's $1,000, $2,000 bonus. This is one time. Well, the minimum wages aren't one time. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Apple bringing back $350 billion to invest in in uh, you know, a new campus or whatever. By the way, it's not going to be in California or Texas, so that's going to be a real interesting fight for uh, where that's mm-hmm. going to go, you know, R&D center or whatever they're talking about building. Um, but th- th- this is not a one-time aff- uh, affair. This is, <laughs> this is significant. And, and Ed, if you go back to our show on corporate taxes and we kept saying corporations mm-hmm. don't pay taxes, Only th- you know, it's just people here, only people pay right. taxes, whether it's the consumer, the, the investors or, or the workers. Well, of course the workers are going to get the lion's share of this because, 70% of, of, of the, the GDP is comprised of people's incomes. 70% of expenses are income. So, of course, the workers are going to get the lion's share of a tax cut.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and let me point out two, two, two more quick points about this. Number one, the, the, the companies that seem to be other than, you know, it's Walmart you mentioned, but the, 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 the sector that seems to be most affected by this, and this is what makes the left even more apoplectic, banks. Banks? They hated banks. The banks are. Oh my God! It's like a double whammy. Not only are they raising wages, Ron, but the banks are raising wages. How can this be? This is just awful. So, uh, and and I and I think the you know the the other important point here is that this this is not trickle down. That's I I, you know, I, I wish I could, could we could do, maybe we should do a show on what trickle down is and is not. This is not trickle-down. This is not what, what we're talking about when we say trickle-down. When we're when talking about – and trickle-down, as we know, is, is a pejorative, right? You know. what, what, what we mean when we say supply-side stuff is that this is going to open up entrepreneurs to create – New stuff because they can afford. Not these, not these companies that are increasing their wages that exist. That's only a small part of it. That's that. That's not what we're talking about when we say supply side and that these the the, these tax tax cuts are affecting the supply side. It's it's other things. It's the creation of of new innovative technologies. That's where the where the bang is.
1: This is real stimulus. I mean, it's not trickled down. It's bottom up. I mean, this is actual real. Well, when Apple or these other companies invest in their people. Or, or capital to increase productivity, or whatever—that's th- real stimulus. I mean, that's how a free, eco- a free market works. It, government is where you get the trickle down. You mm-hmm. know, the eight hundred billion exactly. dollars stimulus was was—it is not going to have the same effect at all that this is going to have. Yeah, this is this is why I think this tax reform, whatever you want to call it was was big because that rate reduction is huge. I mean, going from thirty five to twenty one that's big, but also the whole territorial thing, you're starting to see you know over in Davos, ed, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, there's been some reports from journalists talking to business people because you know obviously a lot of CEOs over there it from foreign companies, and they're saying, oh yeah, we're going we're going to start investing in the United States of America. I mean, why wouldn't they? <laughs> that yeah, with, yeah. with a competitive tax rate, with a good, good labor market, you know, good, good secure property laws. I mean, all the other things we have going for us, besides just the tax rate, are now more highlighted. And yeah, I think I think you're going. I think we're at the beginning of a, a, a massive investment boom here.
2: Yep. Could be, and look, I may 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 re- rethink the, my my. This is not reform. I, I certainly did say that that the 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 corporate tax was the biggest piece of it, but uh, I'll have to open my mind. All right, Ron, get another couple one a couple in, or one at least one more in before we have to go. All
1: right, And this one is a cover story from the Economist, January twentieth, so just recent, uh, called "Taming the Titans," Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, you know, Microsoft. Um, they're referred to now as bad, B A A D. They're too big. They're anti-competitive. They're addictive, and they're destructive to democracy. And this whole uh, article—it's uh, actually a memo written to the CEOs of those companies I just listed—are um, saying that look, you know, this is going to be looked at. The new Scarlet Letter is M for monopolist, right? Um, you guys are anti-competitive. You have way too much market power. Um, you, you can buy up your competition You know, in the crib before they're a threat, um, like, like Facebook has done. You're addictive. So teens that use social media are less happy than their peers. They're more depressed. They're more likely to have suicide. Um, they're damaging democracy because you allow people to live in filter bubbles and confirmation bias and fake news and... Uh, so here's some proposed actions it's it's called hipster antitrust because remember these companies tend to be left on the ideological spectrum but and and they're well loved i mean consumers can't imagine their life without them but there's also uh... you know fears about monopoly and they're just too big blah 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 so the you know some of the proposals being floated out there are break them up right just bust them up just take youtube out of google I did not know this, by the way, but you know what the world's second largest search engine is, Ed? What would Amazon? be Amazon? Yeah, that. See, that would have been my guess. It's YouTube.
2: YouTube. Okay. Yeah, YouTube. I see that too.
1: Yep. Um, so the other thing is regulate them like utilities. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg will rue the day that he referred to Facebook as <sighs> a utility because it's uh-huh. as ubiquitous as electricity. Uh, or you can just preventing prevent them from from acquiring new companies. So rather than looking at consumer harm, or or prices, because it's hard to it's hard to regulate them like utilities when the price is zero, <laughs> right? So what yeah. would what would they do instead? They'd cap profits. You'd pre, you could prevent new ac- acquisitions. You could make them um, uh, use data portability. You know, users could control their own data, move it to other places. You could pay you could pay consumers for data. All of these different things. I mean, I. Some of this really scares the heck out of me because it would just stifle innovation in its crib. Um, but it's it's a it's a long it's a long article, a uh, lot going on here. I didn't give it justice, but Ed, it scares me. That's all I can say. This is this kind of mentality is, I think, destructive.
2: I have a two-word commentary for that, Ron. Ready? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Fair
1: enough. All right. Well, this was great. As usual, these shows just fly by for us. But what do we have on store next week?
2: Next week, Ron, we have the honor to have the president of the AICPA, Barry Melanson, on as our guest. Really looking forward to, to that show.
1: Excellent. I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week folks on Friday at 1 PM Pacific. We will have Barry Melanson. From the AICPA on. That's going to be a fantastic show. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com for full show notes on all the topics we discussed today. Remember, you can send an email to Ed or myself at asktsoe at barrisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.